Eric and says, I don't even have you too loud, and I thought something fell by me. No, I think that's whatever they just caved over, caved in in my guest room, but we'll get on with that later on. Welcome into A to Z Sports Prime Time from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet, serving customers with quality American-made Ford vehicles and award-winning customer service since 1983. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. DraftKings Sportsbook, promo code A2ZSports, gets you in on all the action in the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Plug, Plug in that promo code, and I'll tell you what it can get you as we get a little bit closer a week from today with Super Bowl 56. The Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage, GaryAshton.com, is where you go for your dream address without the stress and to sell your home for more with the Ashton team. And of course, Brymac Mechanical, B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com, satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. Brymac has you covered. So, Super Bowl begins this week. Like I said, we're going out to LA together. We're going to take the show on the road. I'm doing the radio show and the uh, I'm doing the radio show and the primetime show from the Super Bowl in LA. I'll be doing my radio show on Radio Row Wednesday through Friday. So we're looking forward to that. Joe Williams wants to know if I'm talking about the new passing game coordinator. And you know, I did I did a lot of that on Friday, um, but I guess that was on the radio show. We haven't had the opportunity to talk about that. On primetime, and and honestly, Joe, it had just occurred to me. Well, here's what I'll tell you, all right, on Tim Kelly, because I've spoken to a couple of people about this situation, and I have new information on Tim Kelly, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow. Tonight, I thought we'd stick with the news of the day since we are a week away from Super Bowl 56. And then tomorrow, I'll give you some great details on Tim Kelly, if that's okay with you. Tonight, I think we should focus in on this massive headache that the league is starting out their Super Bowl week with. But with all that being said, the league has a, uh, the league, this is their crown jewel event, right? It's in LA. You're going to have superstar power, not just at the game, but at halftime. It's going to be, uh, this is the massive talking point. It's going to be the first time that the NFL has had a normalized Super Bowl, of course, since the global pandemic, because of course, last year in Tampa Bay felt much, much different. Now you have the ability to blow this thing out on the the stage, the brightest lights on the biggest stage, SoFi Stadium, right? It's an incredible, incredible venue. And with all the things going around, Roger Goodell, as always, hosts a big uh, league-wide press conference. In fact, I'm not going to be out there when he does it. Otherwise, I would be in attendance for Roger Goodell's press conference, where he basically gives a state of the union, a state of the league address at the Super Bowl. And 90% of the conversation at Roger Goodell's address this year is going to be discussed about lawsuits, about racism in the NFL's hiring practices, about all these different things that Roger Goodell doesn't want to go anywhere near because it's Super Bowl and talk to me about football and how much great work the league has done to get everything so bright and shiny for the football's biggest night, right? Instead, Roger Goodell is going to be fielding landmine questions. He's going to be prepped by an army of lawyers before they trot him out there on stage and and tell him, you know, this is the company line, this is what we're staying, don't deviate from the plan, on and on and on, on to Cincinnati, right? Literally, on to Cincinnati is basically going to be Roger Goodell's line in the press conferences this week. 
but it's going to be inescapable and it's going to shine some stuff, shine a light on stuff that Roger Goodell doesn't want to talk about. And I wonder how, how invest you guys are in the NFL hiring process. Now, you know, the Tennessee Titans have a, uh, do not have a minority coach as, as the head coach, but Mike Vrabel has been uh, above and beyond his job. You do know that they did interview Steve Wilkes during that same process at the same time as they interviewed Matt LaFleur. Those were the three candidates that this thing ultimately came down. Mike came down to Mike Vrabel, Matt LaFleur, and Steve Wilkes. Brian Flores, this lawsuit dropped in the middle of it uh, with all of these different things that Roger Goodell is going to be having to bob and weave on the on the press conference podium about. And I wonder, I'm curious to know how you guys are consuming this NFL hiring process. In fact, I want to start there with your Two Rivers Ford take. How would you describe the NFL's coaching carousel this year? Let me know in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together right after I tell you about the people who make the Two Rivers Ford take possible each and every week. That is, of course, Two Rivers Ford. I'm counting down the days. I'm down to days at this point. Less than 30 days until I can get my new vehicle from Two Rivers Ford going through the Built For You program. The Built For You program, if you're unfamiliar at Two Rivers Ford, it allows you to customize any Ford, any color, with any available features. They'll bid, build the vehicle just for you, and then when it's done, they'll deliver it right to your door. It's one of the great things, one of the many things that Two Rivers Ford does to put customer service first. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com is where you can find them. They're the best in the business with quality American-made Ford vehicles and one of the largest inventories in the state. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So how would you describe the NFL coaching carousel this year? Let me know in the comment section and we'll talk about it together. Uh, The way that you kind of look at this thing, because now eight of the nine jobs have been filled, right? Mike McDonald, who is... Uh, who is of uh, mixed descent. He is uh, biracial. He is the minority candidate that has been hired to coach the Miami Dolphins. But with all of that, uh, Brian Flores is obviously in a, in, a, in a tough situation, and we'll talk about him when we get to the Houston Texans because it's down to him and one other candidate as the um, – in fact, it's a very, very uh, – I mean, literally, it's a black-and-white situation with the Houston job, and I'll expand – on what I mean by that more later on. But uh, William Jones says of the NFL's hiring process, fixed, uh, it needs to be fixed or repaired daily, basically. Clayton Smith says the good old boy system when talking about the league. And at this point, uh, Cody Holzer wants to know who Mike, who the, the F is Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald is the uh, kind of this nerdy looking dude um, from, uh, from San Francisco. He's their offensive coordinator even though Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. Mike Clark says Brian Flores will never work again. And in fact, Mike, I'll, I'll give you some information on that later on in the show. Um, with the uh, with all that being said, as you kind of go through these things, uh, Theron says this stuff is crazy, should have happened after the Super Bowl. But Theron, here's, here's why it's happening. And listen, I don't disagree that at least it should have happened after, after Brian Flores had been either after he had either gotten a job in this NFL hiring cycle or if he had if he had not gotten a job and all the vacancies had been filled, right? With all this said, 
with all this said, I, I don't. I, in fact, I think to do it during the Super Bowl is great for Brian Flores' cause because you want to make as much mess and as make, make as much headache and make as much noise as humanly possible to draw more attention to this thing. So, with all that, you know, I think that I didn't agree with the timing. I understood that they did it for uh, to on a day with legitimate meaning on February first, the first day of Black History Month. But, you know, I've read the lawsuit, and to go through that, there's precious little to stand on as far as the initial allegation, which is racism in the NFL's hiring practice. Now, there's some shady shit in there. Make no mistake, but the thing about Stephen Ross and the $100,000 uh, uh, $100, payments or offer per game per loss when they were tanking for Joe Burrow at the time, or when it has been discussed as them tanking for Joe Burrow, even though we all talked about it as tanking for Tua at the time, uh, to do it in the week leading up to Super Bowl, in the two weeks leading up to Super Bowl, I think is huge. There's a lot of different re- ways to go about this. But, I mean, if you guys Google Mike McDonald and and realize that he's the only minority candidate, and I don't want to – I'm not going to put air quotes around minority because he's, he's, he's of mixed descent, right? And, again, race – Race matters little to me as far as qualification is concerned, but in 2011, we had eight minority head coaches in the NFL. We now have one, two if you count Mike McDonald, and and for for the purposes, if we're going to categorize people, then Mike McDonald needs to be counted, right? So two, counting Mike McDonald, who <laughs> to look at him, again, this is not, this. You know, we're talking about race, not how a person looks, even though you can conflate those things very easily. Mike McDonald is not exactly the person that Brian Flores is looking to see, you know, not exactly the person that Brian Flores is fighting on behalf of, right? Like, that's kind of what this thing comes down to. So go, to go from eight in 2011 to have gone backwards over the course of a decade plus to now where we have two, counting Mike McDonald, who was hired today by the Miami Dolphins, that's the only place where race starts to come into uh, come into account. When such a small percentage, an infinitesimal percentage of these jobs are going to people who are perhaps qualified, but, I mean, the guy who Brian Flores is narrowed down in, in the Houston job with is Josh McCown, who's only been a high school coach, and I don't even think he called plays in high school at this point. So you understand why people like Brian Flores – are upset about things like this. Why Jim Caldwell is tired of going on sham interviews after being the closest thing to success the Detroit Lions have had in basically their entire existence. So when I ask you to describe how you feel about the NFL's hiring process, you know, I think it's pretty interesting to say that seven of the eight jobs that have been filled at this point have been filled by Caucasian candidates, Mike McDonald being the eighth, who is of mixed descent, but you would not know that to look at Mike McDonald. Again, it's not necessarily what a person looks like. It's about their qualifications. And Mike McDonald may well be qualified. And there's another example of this in Jacksonville, who may well be qualified because Jacksonville hired a Super Bowl winning head coach. I'm not saying that you should hold it against Jacksonville that they hired Doug Peterson. What I'm saying is, though, that when one of the, when, I mean, almost a third, almost a third of these jobs come open and the closest that you get to diversity in your in your candidate pool and your hiring pool is Mike McDonald. You got larger issues there. The short answer is that the Jacksonville Jaguars did exactly what they probably should have done many many weeks ago, but still a really solid hire, a Super Bowl winning head coach, someone who deserves another shot to be back in the saddle and probably will end up being very good 
for Trevor Lawrence. The fact that it took so long, well, it's, I'm not so sure this has been the smoothest coaching search in the history of the world. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, there's been some twists and turns. There's been guys they wanted, like Nathaniel Hackett, opting to go to other teams like the Denver Broncos. There was the Byron Leftwich uh, courtship, of course, coming in for a second interview, ultimately not ending up as the job, and then eventually withdrawing his name due to some, uh, let's say, some concerns about the organization. Um, I'll let Leftwich speak for himself whenever uh, he addresses that. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But Doug Peterson was always a really viable and interesting candidate. It just took a long time to bring him in for a second interview. And it really did feel like once they brought him in for a second interview, then everybody was on the same page as far as what the organization was going to look like, how much alignment he had with general manager, general manager Trent Baalke, the potential hire of Rick Spielman. Of course, Trevor Lawrence being there helped. And now, as we found out late, late last night, Doug Peterson agreed to terms the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. A to Z Sports Prime Time from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. That video courtesy of the NFL Network, Ian Rappaport, discussing the hiring of Doug Peterson. And Doug Peterson, a hugely qualified candidate. And by the way, thank you guys for correcting me. Mike McDaniel is the new Dolphins head coach, the former offensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. My apologies. I did get his name mixed up. Thank you guys for the corrections. I apologize that I didn't see it sooner because I think I said Mike McDonald 75 times. <laughs> but you understand my point. When when you look at this, and I've asked you, you know, how, how would you describe the NFL's coaching carousel at this point? I'm going to tell you how I would describe it here in just a second. But just coming off that video, like at this point, at this point, I like Jacksonville is, you have to take each opening unto itself. Jacksonville is a shit show. Jacksonville had a minority candidate pull out because he did not want to work with a GM that he did not think he could work with in Trent Baalke. I've seen people be hugely credible about, uh, I've seen I've seen people uh, be hugely, uh, hugely upset at the idea that brought Byron Leftwich as a minority would pull out of that job and then say, you know, well, this is somebody who was in the running for this job. Why would he pull out? But again, with somebody like David Culley, with somebody like Jim Caldwell, with somebody like Brian Flores and the reporting that's been done and what Brian Flores is alleging, a lot of these minority candidates walk into situations where they have zero chance to win, right? And if Byron Leftwich is going to use his power as a candidate to be discerning and be like, man, this Jacksonville thing, and I think everybody would agree about Jacksonville that something is clearly wrong with the way that the Jags organization is run, I think all of us can understand why Byron Leftwich would be hesitant and ultimately unwilling to put himself in that position. It makes a lot of sense, right? We all want to be discerning about jobs that we take. We all want to be we, we all want to know that we're going to be put into the best position, best possible position to succeed while we know that we're qualified, right? Qualified to get the job and hired based on the right things. Now, I mean this happens in every every kind of workplace, right? People are hired for the right reasons. People are hired for the wrong reasons all the time. This, is, this isn't just an NFL thing. The NFL is just uh, something that we all focus on that's sports-related that actually has larger societal implications, right? We all know that sports are a microcosm for society. But with, I, uh, but with all, the, uh, all the stuff that I look at throughout the course of this week, how I would describe the NFL's hiring process I think you're going to be interested in right after I tell you about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code A2Z Sports 
get you in on all the action. Because the moment that we've been waiting for since September, it's a week away, uh, a little less than a week away now that we're, you know, into the evening at this point. Super Bowl 56 and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. You bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can bet on Super Bowl 56 props instead. DraftKings Sportsbook offers a wide range of props throughout the big game. You can take a shot at winning cash by predicting props, like if a non-quarterback will throw a pass, fourth down conversions, total yardage, and so much more. All you got to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code A2ZSports, get 56 to 1 odds on either team. You bet just 5 bucks or more and get 280 in free bets if your team is able to win. With promo code A to Z Sports at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call or text the Tennessee red line, 1-800-889-9789. So, um, with how I would describe the NFL's hiring process is, I would say that it's not it's not the fault of the league. It's not the fault of the, and, and listen to me when I say this, the league is the one being scrutinized for this. Roger Goodell is the one who's going to have to answer these questions. But it's not on the league. It's not on Goodell. It's on the people who own the league and who employ Goodell. It's on the NFL owners. This league is over 100 years old, and it's never had a minority owner. Uh, or it's never had an African-American owner. Forgive me, Shad Khan is, in fact, um, uh, a minority a minority owner. But with all that being said, and again, being a minority and getting one of these jobs or owning an NFL team, that does not equate to competency. Now, let me let me be clear about that. But in the effort to make the league look more like the people that it employs, in when the workforce is such a high percentage minority, such a high percentage African American, then the representation matters so 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 much. Representation matters in my business, right? Representation matters in your business. Whether you are the whether you are the person who's being represented by the people in power or not, you have to have a multitude of opinions of life experiences so you can poss- best possibly formulate as close to a. I mean, not, no work environment is going to be perfect, but if you want to get as close as close as humanly possible to a a more equal work environment, then there has to be adequate representation, right? That's what all of this is about. It's not about uh, it's not about, I mean, to a degree, it is about equal opportunity, of course, but I think people hear that and it's like a buzzword for them, right? They're like, why should somebody get a job over me if I'm white and they're black? Why should somebody get a job uh, over me if if they're black and I'm like me, I'm Arab, right? There's so many different ways that you can break this down. The NFL doesn't want to deal with this shit, right? They just want to move on. They want you to talk about, and we're going to talk about the Bengals and the Bengals and the Rams, just like everybody's going to talk about the Bengals and the Rams. We're we're going to talk about football because football is the thing that gravi- that pulls us all into this, right? Football is the reason, the sport itself, why this is a multi-billion dollar organization and why it's the one of, it's prob- it's the most DVR proof product that we have. Keeping television networks alive almost single-handedly and at some point the NFL is going to realize it and take their, you know, take their business elsewhere to the streaming companies who have way more money. That's keeping cable alive at this point so with all that being said um 
I'll tell you that I think that the that the owners are the root issue here. That because the owners are who are paying Roger Goodell all this money to be the punching bag at the Super Bowl press conferences. The owners are who uh, – do you know the average ownership term of an NFL owner? The average is 39 years because of how these things turn don't turn over because of the way that they're passed down through family generation after generation. Ultimately, nobody should be able to tell a business who they can and cannot hire, right, if the business is owned independently. And these, these franchises are owned – independently within this structure of the NFL. But the average tenure of an NFL owner being 39 years on average should really make people pick up their heads and be like, man, there is almost no opportunity for the league, the ownership in the league, the people who drive the league, to be proper representation of the people that they employ, right? For the masses that they employ, thousands upon thousands of player jobs, of media jobs, of people. I don't have a job without the NFL, damn sure, right? There's so many different things. There's, there's so many different things that break this down to. And ultimately, you know, you're going you're gonna to hire people and you're going to want people around you that you're more comfortable with. And a lot of these white billionaire owners are not comfortable with African-American uh, candidates or are less comfortable with African-American candidates because they don't look like them. They don't golf at the same places that they do and grow up the same way. And, 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 and ultimately, you cannot, tell, uh, you cannot tell the owner of a private business how to operate. But the fact that there even needs to be something like the Rooney Rule to try and promote inclusive, inclusivity and diversity is a problem unto itself, right? I think we can all understand that, even if you disagree with the things like equal opportunity or race being a, race being a, I mean, I don't know how you could disagree with race being something that needs to be more inclusive, given that we're all so, uh, so pissed at each other about things instead of being willing to have these conversations. Ultimately, the most qualified candidate can get, should get hired, right? The most regardless of race, sex, creed, religion, doesn't matter. Most qualified candidate needs to get the job. But the most qualified candidate in this hiring cycle, in a year where he's suing the league and three of its member institutions, he's sitting out there without a job. And he's going head-to-head with Josh McCown, who is exactly the thing that he is fighting against. Body, and it's not Josh McCown's fault that he's getting these opportunities. They're, Josh McCown is super relatable. But Josh McCown and Brian Flores are now head-to-head for the Houston Texans job. It's the last of these nine jobs remaining. Josh McCown represents the exact kind of thing that Brian Flores and many other minority coaches are pushing back against in the league. And we'll spend some time on this later on in the show. The problem is the most qualified candidate is Brian Flores. And he did, he's, he was a dummy interview for the Giants job. And the Giants said that they hired the most qualified candidate when it's just not true. The Miami Dolphins haven't had back-to-back winning seasons since 2003. And their owner was actively trying to tank at the time that he hired Brian Flores. Brian Flores overcame those things, won with that Miami Dolphins team in the end of the 19th season, put to back, uh, put together back-to-back winning seasons, and Stephen Ross, who hasn't had a playoff win in 13 years as an NFL owner, said, nah, that guy's not good enough, and now he's getting dummy interviews as the most qualified candidate. That's the larger issue at this point. So let's move on and let's talk about this Houston Texans hire uh, here on A to Z Sports Prime Time. Um, uh, Van Jeffrey says, uh, Buck just got an alert that the Texans are looking at Lovey Smith as their top candidate right now. Lovey Smith would be 
an internal hire. Um, and Adam Schefter is tweeting out that Josh McCown will one day be a great head coach, but it doesn't look like today will be the day. Um, so it seems that at literally as we sit here, Adam Schefter has tweeted that out. So we'll keep you, uh, we'll keep you updated with that as we go along. And I'll read you the latest on this, a pivot in the Texas. And this is from John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. Texans are going to interview Lovey Smith for the head coaching job. Um, Ian Rappaport is saying as GM Nick Casario goes through the process, he's looking at some different options. This is one doesn't like, doesn't sound like Josh McCown gets it, but nothing done yet. So Instead of it being narrowed down to McCown and, and Flores, now it is. it sounds like it's between Flores and Lovey Smith. And if they were interviewing Lovey Smith as the candidate, again, a former NFL head coach, um, to come in and do this, now it is between two diversity candidates, two minority candidates. So now the Houston Texans can escape, assuming that they don't go with Josh McCown, now that they, they can escape legitimate scrutiny and have legitimate qualified candidates, two guys who have done these jobs before, to try and right their ship down in Houston. Yogi Hertz says, if I was Lovey Smith, uh, if I was Lovey Smith, I would decline. And listen, that's exactly what Byron Leftwich did. And Houston is not a good job, right? You still have the Deshaun, Deshaun Watson has the fourth highest cap hit of any quarterback next year. It's Matt Ryan. Oof. Aaron Rodgers, uh, you have uh, you have then, oh, forgive me, um, I'm blanking on who number three is. I know that Deshaun Watson is four and Ryan Tannehill is five at this point. Number three, uh, three is Kirk Cousins. Three is Kirk Cousins. So Deshaun Watson with the fourth highest cap hit among quarterbacks, not playing and still counting against your finances, that's not a good job. Their roster is wretched. It's not a good job. So I, I think you go through this. I think you go through this. Um, and you say, well, are you really going to trust the Houston Texans? And there's skept- there's going to always be skepticism with all of this, right? Because the Houston, well, actually, let's get into the Houston job here in just a second. The question I want to ask you is this. Who will be the next Texans head coach? Because uh, now we, we had an uh, initial question, including Josh McCown, but now we'll need to change it. Will it be Brian Flores or will it be Lovey Smith? Let me know in the comments on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And Twitch, let me know who you think will be the next Texans head coach. Will it be Lovey Smith, as I change the question in real time, or will it be Brian Flores? And hopefully producer Reed will do the same on the opposite end of things. We'll talk about it together right after I tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. GaryAshton.com, that's where you go for your dream address. Without the stress, GaryAshton.com is where you go for the Intel Edge that only the Ashton team can provide. The Intel Edge means that you can sell your house without any showings or staging. It means that you can get in front and capitalize on your home equity now. You can win the buyer battle as well. GaryAshton.com is the best in the business. It's why they're the official real estate agent of the Titans of the Preds, and of A to Z Sports Primetime. GaryAshton.com is where you go at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. So who will be the next Texans head coach? Will it be Lovey Smith or will it be Brian Flores at this point? Let me know and we'll talk about it together. Um, with all that being said, you know, kind of going through this new information, I haven't had the opportunity to read John McClain's article just yet because obviously this is coming out. As we're live on the air, uh, Corey D. Jackson says, 
Uh, neither one, uh, neither one yet to surface. Neither one dark horse yet to surface. Uh, Jeff Sawyer wants to talk about Tim Kelly again. Jeff, I, I said this at the start of the show because I talked so much about it on Friday, and and I helped I helped confirm that the new, that 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 hire was happening while I was live on the radio. I didn't. It didn't even occur to me to talk about Tim Kelly tonight. We'll do Tim Kelly. We'll do a full show on Tim Kelly tomorrow. I'll be able to give you a bunch of good information on Tim Kelly. And apologies uh, for having a little bit of a brain brain slip when I was putting the show together. It's been it's been so far removed that I uh, I almost forgot that we haven't talked about it on prime time, but it happened on a Friday. Anyway, Tim Kelly, full Tim Kelly show tomorrow. Sorry for sorry for the delay on that. Um, but with at this point, you know, going through the Texans job. It's a bad job. Like David Culley just got hired to do that job was basically just a hire after, I mean, decades upon decades of working his way up to that point, finally getting the opportunity to be a head coach, uh, being a Tennessee native. We all, I think, have a little bit of a personal investment in the success of David Culley. There were plenty of reasons why he didn't seem necessarily cut out for the job, but he got hired to be a fall guy. Got $22 million out of it, but still, like I think that David Culley would rather be an NFL head coach because of how long he'd worked for that op- for an opportunity like that than have the $22 million, right? Because money at that at that level, money is, is going to be there. But to have those opportunities, almost non-existent. And especially when you see how often retread white coaches get hired back or get reinserted back into the circle as opposed to uh, Jim Caldwell, Lovey Smith is a part of this conversation. Um, you can go on and on and on through the list of minority camp. Brian Flores is now in the middle of this, in danger of not getting another crack at it when, you know, Mike McCarthy, who's terrible. Mike McCarthy is terrible as an NFL head coach. And now he's the head coach of America's team because he's a famous guy. Urban Meyer getting jobs like this. Josh McCown even being in the running for this is a part of the reason why Brian Flores is pushing back against these things. Um, is Caldwell hired yet or interviewed? No, Cal- uh, Caldwell is not. I mean, he stopped taking job interviews because of these kind of things that Brian Flores is talking about in his lawsuit. Where at, at a certain point, Jim Caldwell realized, I don't know how many it took for Jim Caldwell to realize this, but at a certain point, Jim Caldwell realized, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just being brought in to satisfy the Rooney rule. Like these people aren't taking my candidacy seriously. They're just here to check a box so they can get on with it and hire the person who they ultimately want to hire, which ended up tons of times not being Jim Caldwell. Um, so I think that he is right to be skeptical at this. And Jim Caldwell is the person who made the playoffs with the Lions. The Lions are wretched. The Lions have been soaked. They were bad before Jim Caldwell. They're bad after Jim Caldwell. Like, it's just really, really bad. So now you're you're pigeonholing, after already having done this last season with David Culley, you're pin- pigeonholing the two minority candidates understanding that Mike McDaniel is of mixed descent uh, in, in the Miami Dolphins head coaching job, you're, you're pigeonholing the two minority candidates into the worst possible job. And if they don't, if they are unable to turn around a ship that is clearly sinking at this point, especially going to work for the McNair family who, and I understand that the, 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 uh, the, the father who made these comments about the inmates running the asylum about letting, uh, letting players have more say in the situation and having better representation given how, I mean, over 70% of the league is black as far as the players are concerned. And then you have the owner who passed away at this point, but now his son runs the show and he doesn't seem like he's any much, any better at it. You have the owner at the time of the Houston Texans saying, oh, this is like the inmates running the asylum, which is completely and totally offensive 
you're uh, equating your labor force as my uh, just watching uh, in the offices. Uh, my uh, my cat has gotten hooked on the blinds and is trying to pull them down. Sorry about this. I should have closed the door in the middle of the show. You're pigeonholing the, the two candidates, the two most qualified candidates, two former NFL head coaches who also happen to be uh, happen to be of uh, of African-American descent. You're pigeonholing them in the worst job. By the way, Saints job, as chill mode reminds me, Saints job is still technically open. Um, and this, this added a 10th job. So, so, but Saints are not a good job either. They're in wreck there. They don't have a quarterback. They're in cap, salary cap hell. You're not going into a good situation there. It's, it's a tough scene at this point. And listen, if coaches are getting fired, none of these jobs are typically good, like good, but at least like Jacksonville is set up with the first overall pick again and the top overall pick at quarterback from last year. There's a lot of different reasons why this is a, uh, why this is a difficult situation that they are being asked to put in. But if you're asking me who's going to get this job between Lovey Smith or Brian Flores, I'll, you could ask me whomever it was against Brian Flores, and I would tell you that the answer, as long as this set of owners, these 31, not counting Green Bay because it's publicly owned, as long as these 31 remain in the ownership circle, Brian Flores is not getting an NFL head coaching job again. You filed this lawsuit, which yeah. you are aware is obviously going to have enormous repercussions. What was the tipping point for you through your experiences that made you feel this was something you needed to do? Well, I mean, just, you know, I've been on you know several interviews over the years. Um, and look, I mean, this is we didn't have to file a lawsuit for, for the world to know that there's an, an issue from a hiring and firing um, um, Practices so in the National Football League. Why did that, that's um, correct. A I lot of people just, yeah. have pointed this out. So why did you feel you needed to do this? Because we need change. That was that was that was the number one reason. Um, and I know there's there's a sacrifice, there's risk to that, but um, at the end of the day, um, we need change. We need change. Um, I, I know many very capable um, black coaches. Um, some of my staff who I know. Um, if given an opportunity or when given an opportunity, they're going to go and do a great job on their interview. Um, and I would just hate for that uh, to, be a, to be a waste. Uh, and I think, you know, we need to change the hearts and minds of, of the people making those decisions. That's why, we're, that's why, you know, we filed the lawsuit. Who are those people? Who specifically do you think needs the change? Uh, the owners of the NFL. So that's Brian Flores on Get Up, and at this point, he's never, he's not, as long as these owners, these current set of owners, he sued the league, right? He aired uh, private text messages with Bill Belichick. He called John Elway, basically hungover, disheveled, and unprofessional while being over an hour late, again, allegedly, all things that John Elway has uh, has uh, denied, by the way. He's, he's called out John Elway, who is icon of the game and also president of an NFL franchise. He's called out Stephen Ross. You you can't you I I don't want to say that you can't trust this guy. But owners aren't going to trust this guy, right? You've just aired everybody's dirty laundry. And now you're worried that if you hire him and for whatever reason it doesn't work out, you fire him, is he going to air all of your dirty laundry? There's plenty of shit that I've said in private conversations with producer Reed or stuff like that that I could get my ass sued for 1000%. You guys all know, uh, I mean, this is, you know, I, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it 
right to be transparent about those things, but I think we're all pretty aware of what we consider to be private correspondence that you would never want aired in public light, as opposed to that what has happened with Brian Flores now, where he's hanging out Belichick, Elway, Stephen Ross, the New York Giants, on and on and on it goes. I, I mean, in any industry, not just the NFL, red flag, right? You're you're not you are not going to be able to trust this guy implicitly to keep your confidences or to keep your uh, private conversations in confidence. And that is critical in a league where there's so much scrutiny on. So whomever it is, whomever the candidate is up against Brian Flores, honestly, I think Brian Flores is, is, I mean, again, the average, the average tenure of an NFL owner is 39 years. I don't know that Brian Flores is going to get a head coaching job again. All right, let's laugh a little bit, shall we? Let's make fun of the Jags because this is, this is, uh, this has been a very serious show. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little upset with myself that I didn't remember that Tim Kelly happened Friday and we haven't done it on primetime, but I promise you that I'll have a bunch of great information for you on Tim Kelly tomorrow. And in fact, I'm going to write an article about this uh, for before tomorrow evening's show so we can all uh, to do a little more research because I've talked to a bunch of people about Tim Kelly and I think we're going to enjoy this conversation again. I, I would have done this tonight, honestly, had that occurred to me, but uh, it did slip my mind. So I'm sure Austin and Zach are going to talk about uh, Tim Kelly in the morning. But I'll be able to hopefully give you some new information, um, even if they do talk about it as well. Uh, with all that being said, let's do this as a free site. The question that I want to ask you is, what is your least favorite part about the NFL offseason? Let me know in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll talk about it together right after I tell you about the people uh, who want to put you in your comfort zone? Brymac Mechanical, B R Y M A K, Brymac.com. Satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. Brymac is the best in the business. You know this, and they will put you in a position to enjoy your home, however much time you're spending in your home. You want to be comfortable in your home and in your commercial business. Brymac can do commercial, Brymac can do residential. Three locations in Middle Tennessee and in Kentucky. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. So, uh, what is your least favorite part of the NFL offseason? Uh, Dre Wilson, you know, I should I should have uh, I should have uh, considered this as an option. He says just not being able to watch football. I know. Not being able to watch football. I mean, my God, I try I watched the first five minutes of the first quarter of the Pro Bowl, and I was just I hated it. I hated every bit of it. And it's gonna make me sad when there's not even Pro Bowl football to watch because I put I I attempted to watch the Pro Bowl today um boring sundays at home says darren Ossie. uh <laughs> my least favorite uh about the off season was the titans losing in the divisional round as the number one seed well yeah but that's still technically season Stephen. i'm talking about what happens after um for uh for least uh for mr shuckle least favorite part is right now before anything happens i mean there's a lot of shit happening right now honestly like there's a lot of you get Tom Brady retired. You had Jimmy Garoppolo being out on a po- podium saying, yeah, he publicly expects to be traded. You've got lawsuits coming down against the NFL. You've got the Denver Broncos being up for sale while their president is being accused of being, um, you know, unprofessional and, and hungover or, or still drunk in interviews. Like this is, this is, you know, this has been a pretty eventful, a pretty eventful off season. And by the way, it's not even technically the off season yet. It's the off season for 30 of the 32 NFL teams. Um, but my fa- my least favorite part of the offseason is teams trying NFL teams trying to turn stuff that's not content 
into content. And that's exactly what the Jags did with a super slow-mo video that they put up of the first time that Doug Peterson met Trevor Lawrence in person. So somebody explain to me there what the hell it is that I just watched. It's so bizarre. You've got Trevor Lawrence. They they blow the wind. They blow. The, they've even got the wind on the flowing locks right back there. You've got Doug Peterson laughing and smiling. This is the kind of shit that drives me crazy in the offseason. Again, it's super cringeworthy, and I'm going to make you all watch it again. Just super cringy off-season content. Uh, that looked like a video for somebody trying out their iPhone for the first time, says so chill mode. Uh, <laughs> Doug looks like an old Lawrence, says <laughs> Stephen Sheridan. That's right, he really does. Uh, uh, Buck, uh, let's see. Uh, Buck, funny ash and no one wants to talk about? Or funny, funny as shit or funny ash? I don't know what that means, MBT talk show. You got to... Uh, you got to be, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hip enough to understand what A-S-H stands for, unless you're calling me ashy, which, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm brown. I'm, I don't know that I can outright be ashy. I mean, I put lotion on my skin like anybody else during, during the winter months, because I'm not trying to have dry skin out in these streets. I'm not trying to be Kevin Durant, but, uh, I'm, I'm dumb. So you're going to have to tell me what ash means more specifically, please. And thank you. <laughs> uh, sunshine says Stephen. I, I I imagine that Stephen, I read that like I read I read it in my voice, but uh, I imagine that's how Stephen typed that. Funny as funny as hell, says Linares. Thank you, I appreciate that. Got to keep me grounded. I don't think I'm that funny, but I think if I can keep you guys entertained and if I can pass off, you know, my my shitty version of comedy while talking about sports, then whatever guys, uh, whatever makes y'all happy, I'm always uh, always happy to keep you guys. Entertain, Mr. Shekel said LMAO. He said Kevin Durant. Like, listen, we all saw the the Kevin Durant thing, right? Like, I, I, I you guys know if you've watched this show long enough that I used to do an endorsement for male grooming products. Uh, used to do for a male grooming products company. Um, I would have sent him a box of that because KD needs it. KD makes way too much money to, to have his skin look like that at this point. All right, bit of fun show. Uh, I thought I thought it was a really good conversation, and I appreciate you guys as always for being willing to have it with me. We're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a great time on the radio show tomorrow. A lot of Tim Kelly talk, ten to one on one hundred four five The Zone. Um, uh, we're gonna do to, we're gonna do Monday and Tuesday show in Nashville. Tuesday night I'm flying to Super Bowl, so there will be no prime time. Well, there will be a prime time show. It just will be Luke instead of me. Uh, it will be Luke uh, Luke Worsham instead of me on Tuesday night because I'll be flying to L.A. Then Wednesday and Thursday, you guys are going to come with me to L.A. and we'll do the primetime show and the radio show there for the rest of the week. 
Enjoy what little remains of your weekend, and I'll see you tomorrow on the radio, or if not, tomorrow night on A to Z Sports Primetime.